Welcome to another edition of the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast. It is football and random things. Back on game week, Jared. We are back on game week. It is the Monday before the Iowa State Cyclones will take on the Oklahoma Sooners down in Norman. In prime time. In prime time. Have we seen for sure our Gus and Joel on the call? Uh, One would assume. I would assume that they are as well. I would be sorely disappointed if they're not. Weren't they there last time they were in Oklahoma? Wasn't Gus on the call last time they were in OU? No, I think it was uh, it was the B team. Oh, I don't remember. I mean, they're good B. They're team, still good, but yeah, yeah. It's, it was like maybe like the Robert Smith crew. Because I thought I remember hearing. I thought Gus lost his mind when Lazard caught that in the end zone. No, whoever it was that caught it, or whoever it was that was doing the call, did lose his mind when Lazard caught it in the end zone. But I don't think that he was. That it wasn't. It wasn't it was Gus. Not, it was not Gus. It wasn't. A, that, it wasn't a Gus Johnson mind losing no, event. No, that would have been a, a viral video for for all of the days to come. That would have broken all of sports internet. Is hearing Gus Johnson lose his brain during that game. Exactly. Uh, a couple of housekeeping things here. Before we get rolling with the podcast, I think we got some fun stuff that we're going to talk a little bit about here today uh, with the birthday of college football coming up on Wednesday Ooh. on November 6th, 2019, the 150th birthday of college football. Uh, Saturday, obviously Saturday will be a big day. This is a big week in Cyclone Nation. Basketball officially back tomorrow at Hilton Coliseum when the Cyclones host the Mississippi Valley State Delta Devils, Ooh. considered the consensus worst team in college basketball going into the season uh, by Ken Palm, by CBS Sports, by just about every metric, every metric you could ever oh, find. They man. are considered to be the worst team in college basketball. So the Cyclones will open with them, but then they will go on the road to Corvallis, Oregon. Uh, our own Chris Williams will be on the call for the Cyclone Radio Network. With whom? Whom is he doing the call with? I don't know. I don't uh, I don't know if I'm supposed to say this, but I will. I, I'll say. I think it's a uh, it's Cyclone great Jacey Holloway. I actually heard, remember hearing him say that on the radio. Oh, okay, I didn't know for sure if he had if yeah, he said had, that or not. He'd said it on the radio. Uh, but yeah, Jacey Holloway on the call with with Chris Williams from Corvallis from Gill Auditorium. The Pac-12 Big Twelve action. Some Pac-12 Big Twelve action. The uh, the Beavers picked seventh in the Pac-12 this year. Out of fourteen. No, there's six. They're in the Pac-12. Yeah. The Pac-12 has their numbers it's correct. It's the only one. Yeah. They do have their numbers accurately. And I'll leave it to the academic measured. schools in the Pac-12. Exactly. Uh, but Saturday, we will be, we obviously were already going to have a game watch at Whiskey River in Ankeny for the football game against Oklahoma at 7. We've extended that party to all day long. Whew. That is a party party. If you want to come out and watch the Cyclones take on the Beavers, I want to say tip is at 2 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 2.30 I think is, is right. Uh, then you can come on out to Whiskey River and Ankeny and watch Iowa State and Oregon State there with us. Uh, but right before Iowa State takes on Oklahoma on Fox, 7 o'clock kick for that one if you just want to come out for the football game. That's Whiskey River and Ankeny. Secondly, this is another big week because it, we can sit and remember the great triumph from 2017 by Kyle Kempt when he went down into Norman and led the Cyclones to a win in his first career start. Obviously, we have the shirt on CycloneFanatic.com, TeamCloset.com slash CycloneFanatic, the Kyle Kempt leg- Cyclone Legend shirt. Use the promo code SoonerSlayer to get that shirt for $17. That's $8 off your Kyle Kempt Cyclone Legend shirt. SoonerSlayer at checkout at teamcloset.com slash cyclone fanatic clarification on tip time for the basketball it is 330 330 330 my bad i could are you sure as per the 
the Google machine that says 3.30 p.m. at Gill Coliseum, all time central. Okay, cool. There we go. I'm glad that we got that. Uh, I'm glad we got that figured out. I'm glad we got that figured out. Anyway, I think that's, that's all. an all day party. Yeah, I think that's, that will be an all day party at Whiskey River in Ankeny. I think that's all my housekeeping notes for now. But uh, yeah, come on out, Whiskey River in Ankeny for the basketball game against Oregon State, the football game against Oklahoma. And then, like I said, Sooner Slayer promo code at checkout at teamcloset.com slash Cyclone Fanatic to get your Kyle Kemp Cyclone Legends tee for $17, $8 off the original price. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. We'll talk about Iowa State's upcoming game with Oklahoma and some other stuff here on Football and Random Things on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. Welcome back to Football and Random Things on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. All right, Jeff, so we've got Iowa State and Oklahoma coming up on Saturday. Do you want to talk about that, or do you want to talk about the other stuff we were going to talk about first? Um, I, I th- I'm still fired up about the, the other thing. Okay. You said it's the 150th anniversary of uh, college football on the 6th, and yeah. so you know, ESPN and college football, like the, the other like entities that are related to college football um, have put out like their 150 lists, like yeah. greatest players and greatest finishes and whatever, and they have the top 10 greatest, they're the top 150 greatest games. Yeah, that, that was released this morning. Uh, and I'm I'm peeved. You're peeved. Jeff I, is Jeff is peeved. One, I'm super proud to have been on a team that made the list. So like you were actually in ESPN's CFB 150 show, which I am super pumped about. Like that yeah. is really cool. But that is not. And I just to be on like to to be nominated. It's a great honor. The thing that I'm irked about is the top. Were 10. you guys nominated for an ESPY? We were. Yeah, we went out to That's LA. That was, was super fun. It was three days on LA and um, met a lot of super famous sports people, including Jim Brown. Wow, that's cool. Yep. Uh, John Jones stole a piece of shrimp off my plate. I did not fight him on that. <laughs> I said, yes, sir, Mr. Jones. So there's a backstory on that one. So Jake Knott, uh, Jake Knott, Jared Barnett, Leonard Johnson, and I all went out there with Coach Rhodes. Um, and there was like a pre-party, a, a, a day of, and then an after-party thing. And during the pre-party, um, if you were 21, you got to go in and like you it, just have drinks with whatever, which I don't know if it's NCAA violation or not, but whatever. Probably. <laughs> But uh, every other college, well, college program that's been there has done the same thing. Yeah. Um, and uh, what was actually interesting was that was when Lehigh had beaten Duke. Oh, so you were 15-2. And so with CJ McCollum, but also um, Gabe Knutson, oh, yeah. who was from Waukee in the same graduating class as Jake Knott. So like ironically, two Waukee high school grads mm-hmm. together, same graduating class, were out in LA. So anyway, um, we were just having, like just hanging out with those guys and Jake saw... John Jones, he's a big fan of John Jones, went up and said, like, you know, just, when, other, when else are you going to find that opportunity to say that? So he went up and just inter- talked to himself or talked to him uh, because Jones had trained at, at, in Fort Dodge with Iowa Central um, in wrestling. And so they just start, struck up a conversation there. So it was Jake, Gabe, um, John Jones, and I were just having a conversation. And then after, like, at the ESPYs itself, uh, we were kind of situated seating wise close to the exit. So, like, once the exit led directly into the adjacent building, which is where the, the after party portion was. And so we went into the after party portion um, and let ourselves out, which that's where I met Jim Brown. Like I stopped to shake Jim Brown's hand, which was crazy. Um, but then went up and we got our food first because it was like a little buffet line and they had cocktail mm-hmm. tables in the hallway of this, I think it was a hotel, like hotel ballroom area. Um, and so we just got our food and like, we were like, oh, let's just go people watch. And so we sat, we put our, our little traits, which we had piled super high full of food because you're not going to get... Not only is it a bunch of people 
at a gala that have not eaten for like five hours. They're all athletes that have not eaten for like five hours. Right, right. So that's going to be a ton of food consumed. So anyway, we're sitting with our little cocktail plates just piled super high. Um, and we're just sitting there like amazed. I think J, uh, JB, I don't think LJ was there. Maybe he was. But anyways, JB, not and I were sitting right there. And all of a sudden we walked by and Jones had recognized us from having had a conversation with him at the, the pre-party the day prior. Um, and so he just like snagged a piece of shrimp off. I don't remember. I don't remember if it was Jake's plate or my plate, but just had like snagged a piece of shrimp. And we laughed at the concept of being like, someone steals a piece of food off your plate and you literally thank them for stealing the piece of food off your plate because it's John freaking Jones. If you were to get mad, I don't think that dude has ever lost a fight in his life that didn't end up with him getting arrested. Well, yeah, I was going to say that. But I think they have tasers. Well, I think he's been... uh He's been arrested a few times. He's also maybe lost some fights due to forfeit. I, I mean, a physical confrontation, okay, not, yeah, not, yeah, by, yeah. not yeah. by rule. So anyway, that was, that was the thing. But yeah, because of that game. So that was also really cool. But back to the point, the top 10 games, I'm peeved. This is from ESPN. ESPN was released this morning. ESPN's top 150. Um, they don't have in the top 10 the greatest game that I have ever seen. So my, my personal top two are... Well, top three. My top three are the first is Boise State, Oklahoma, and I think it was 2005 uh, when Zabri- Jared Zabriskie was beating the... It's 2006. It's 2006. So yeah. Zabriskie beating uh, the Adrian Peterson Sooners, and then two was Vince Young, USC, in the Rose Bowl, and then three is Ohio State, Miami, National Championship in 2001. Like, those were the three greatest games that I've ever seen. They none are of, all on the list. They're, they're on the not, list, but yeah. not, none of them are in the top except 10. Except Texas USC in 06. Yeah. That one's on the list. None of the, other, n- none of the other two are in that top 10, which is malarkey. I call malarkey on you, sir. College, ESPN college football. In fairness, that game between Boise State and Oklahoma did land Jared Zabransky on the cover of NCAA football the next year. So really, it, was, it was, had massive ramifications. <laughs> I'm dead serious. It did. And RIP college football. But that might... I don't hey, know. we're coming back. We're that coming might back. come back. Yeah, we're that coming might back. Come back. You can't tell me, though, be in the absence of what was it? 2014 was the last game. So it's been five years. Yeah. Six years because they would release the year prior. So six years since the, that game has come out. If in, what, 2023, when that, whenever rule takes effect, if they put that out, how many millions of copies are sold in a day? Oh, a lot. Because the people that... Like, it will immediately I, be the highest selling NCAA game of all time. I would buy an Xbox or a PS4 specifically for that game. Yeah. Like just to have that. I would have one. I wouldn't have any other game. I'd maybe Madden, maybe, or maybe like 2K, like the only games that I would possibly buy, but I would just buy spe- exclusively an Xbox for college football. Man, it just, it gets me so excited because they could do like an ultimate team concept, like what they have on Madden and release uh, you know, do deals with like guys that are playing in the NFL or like college football legends yeah. and start releasing like the old school guys too. Yeah. You could play with Reggie Bush. Yeah. Oh, oh. eggplant emoji right there. <laughs> oh, uh, but oh, anyway, man. how are those student games not on the list? Okay. Well, they are on the list. I, I but found not, them not on in the, the top list. 10. That's ridiculous. And then the kick six, the kick six is also, also in the also top 10 is on the list. It just isn't in the top 10. And I will say, too, this is like an all-out celebration of college football. It's not just like, it doesn't have to just be from the 2000s. Of note, I will, I'll give you a small tidbit. This is actually not the 150th year of college football. It's just been 150 years since college football started. 
because they took some years off. Yeah, there was one year, Too ta- many people one year died. taken off, I think. So it's actually year 149 of playing Too college football. Too many people died. Uh, but Wednesday, there will be a, a battle between the uh, Miami of Ohio Redhawks and the Ohio Bobcats. That will be the birthday game for for college football. Just like the founders wanted it. Just like the founders wanted it. A battle between two of the... Two middle-of-the-road MAC teams. Well, no, they're the leaders of the MAC East. Oh. Oh. I'm pretty sure that's the division they're in. Whichever <laughs> division they're in, they're, they're the two leaders. I, I saw that in ESPN's press release this morning. But uh, number one game on the list was the uh, one of the original games of the century. Number one, Nebraska 35. Number two, Oklahoma 31. On Thanksgiving Day in 1971, best remembered for the Johnny Rogers punt return. That was uh, obviously one of the big plays on his way to winning the Heisman Trophy the following year. Uh, Miami 31, Nebraska 30 in the 84 Orange Bowl to go for two game uh, that would have won Nebraska the national title. The first game from the 2000s, Jeff was quite upset with this one. Appalachian State 34, number five, Michigan 32, September 1st, 2007 at the Big House in Ann Arbor. Now, I I am not discrediting the fact that this was a one, super influential game, and two, super entertaining. I remember seeing the back half of that game. um, Not, I I don't remember watching it because no one started watching that game. It's just when they had to like the live look in thing because that was early in the season. It was the very first game ever on Big Ten Network. Right. So it was, but it was also early in the season. It's week one or week two. And so it was like non-conference game. So whatever team you're watching and whether it was Iowa or Iowa State, like it was going to be a blowout of some kind, like not a competitive game. Um, And so you would have clicked over when they do like, well, upset alert, Michigan is you know, down or Michigan is close in a, in a close game with Appalachian State. So I remember watching the finish of that game and it was a really fun game to finish. But you're telling, like, you can't tell me that that game was a quote, greater game than Texas USC, which is ranked again in the 2000s. And, and my frame of reference, I was born in 1990. In the top 10, there are two that I was alive for. So the two that I was alive for in the top 10 are Texas USC and this App State Michigan game. Texas USC was, again, the second greatest game I've ever seen behind Boise State, Oklahoma. And that's also just, I like Cinderella story kind of thing. So App State would fall into that category. But Boise State, Oklahoma, I'm, if I'm talking like, you know, ramifications down the road, App State, Michigan kind of increased the, the that, I would assume that gave birth to North Dakota State being as dominant as they are and having players of quality go to that level, that mm-hmm. FCS level, rather than being the FBS level, being like, hey, I, I have to go to, you know, the MAC because it's Division One versus a really dominant, you know, FCS school. But the Boise State game, by Boise State beating Oklahoma, that gave rise to the, the, the mid-major, quote, mid-major or the non-power five, the group of five schools, having some type of clout or precedent to be involved in any conversation, like UCF, like Utah when Urban Meyer was there, like that kind of, that was, Grant, I think Utah was, Urban Meyer was there before, but it, it was that kind of validation of the fact that they were that good. And I think that has ramifications for the rest of, as everything's shaken out, like SMU now and Memphis now, are there people they had get good players now because Boise state started the trend of being able to match up with them. So it is malarkey that that game is not in the top 10. Okay. Uh, four through six are all games involving losses by Miami, uh, from the eighties seven, like you mentioned, Texas, USC. Well, number four is the Doug, number four is the Doug Flutie. Hail Mary. Hail Mary. Uh, number six was the uh, Catholic versus convicts game. 
Uh, then the next game. Oh, shout out to Billy Cannon, who we were actually just talking yes, about. Yes, we were. Uh, talking about, because we were talking about Joe Burrow being the front runner for the Heisman. He His game, uh, the game that is best remembered for him with an 89-yard punt return. I don't remember this, obviously. 1959. 1959. But 7-3 uh, to three over Ole Miss. That was the... Uh, that's number nine. And then the next game from the 2000s is the 2018 National Championship game, the Tua game uh, with the, hail, the the long pass to which, win the national title, which I think is hard to dispute. Fair. Yeah. A Hail Mary in a national title game with a backup quarterback getting put in at halftime to make a comeback. Like, fair. Go, fine. Yeah. And then Boise State and Oklahoma comes in at 19, uh, one spot after the kick six game. From 2013, obviously, a, also another remarkable yep. game between Auburn and Alabama. Yeah. Uh, what, what did I tell you? You were at did I say 97. Yeah, Iowa State. I think Oklahoma State was number 97, 97. on the on the list. Uh, yeah, and your name's even thrown in there. Cool. So that's actually really cool. Congratulations, Jeff. You uh you. You will be forever remembered in the on the internet on the internet as as a member of the top not not even the top one fifty the top one hundred yeah take that rest you're in the top ninety eight take the rest of that fifty garbage out of here that's crap those crap games from one hundred or one hundred and one to one fifty it's like they didn't even play it's not even worth watching how many college football games do you think there has (laughs) been in history oh god there's somebody can do like Kirk Holland would be a guy that would. Have, would, would dork this all the way out, but like you'd have to assume on average over the course since for the past 150, well, it, I feel like it's exponentially grown. Like now there's a, what, 134, 140 something teams. Yeah. In 1920, there would be what, like 30? Well, but if you keep in mind the fact that I think there's six programs in history that have won 900 games by themselves each, uh, that's, that's not in, including losses by those programs? Yeah. So I, that's at least 6,000, nearly 6,000 wins a substantial, just on those And programs. depending on how far down you want to go, like, yeah. are we talking 1A, 1AA, Division two, Division three, FCS, or not FCS, uh, NAIA, and JUCO? Yeah. There's been, like, hundreds of All thousands of, of, of college football games, and you are one of the 150 100. best. 100. Don't. One of just the, give rid of the rest. One of, oh, yeah. Bottom 50. I don't need them. 100 best. Yeah. 100 best. Uh, that was the only game that Iowa State was involved in. Which but. is, I think, considering stakes, the only other game that really would make sense would be the the game that we're actually going to be sequeling mm-hmm. today, which Hopefully is sequeling. the Kemp game, Kemp yeah. Lazard game in Norman beating Baker. That would be the only one as far as significance is concerned. Um, yeah, I don't think there would be any other ones that uh, notable upsets that re- that had as much of a ripple effect than the Oklahoma and Oklahoma State games, I think, for Iowa State would be the only ones because like specific plays, you know, the, the Seneca Florida State game or the or the run, they were fantastic plays and great games, but they didn't have as much effect down the road. If Seneca, if they correctly ruled that Seneca was in, that would be on the list. Mm-hmm. But alas, man, if only the Cyclones could play Florida State from 2019. God, this weekend, Matt Campbell, the odds on favorite to be the new head coach of the Seminoles, by the way, came out today from Bovada. How many odds on favorites has be has he been the favorite uh, for? I don't know. And honestly, a lot. I, I and I will say this: I would be. I'm like 99.9 percent sure that if if Matt Campbell was going to leave, it would not be for Florida. I State. I would be gobsmacked 
yeah. if he left because, and this is just even uh, take the cyclone, cyclone color glasses off. If you, if you assess his decision-making in the past, all of his jobs that he has, ta- has taken have been between the states of Ohio and Iowa, that Midwestern territory and all of his, not all, but most of his successful recruits have come from that territory or West Florida is a thing, but it's not a huge stomping ground. If you're going to be successful at Florida state, you have to be able to dominate Florida, at least your corner of Florida. You have to be able to take that Western panhandle portion. And even down to like Miami, you got to win Florida mm-hmm. and dominate Florida recruiting. Not that Matt Campbell couldn't, but if he's going to take a job to leave up again, a, an up, an unarguably objectively up, objectively, excuse me, up and coming program in a conference like the big 12, where you can win it at any given time, to go to a job in the ACC, which you're probably never going to win because Clemson's, as long as Dabo's there, probably not going to be Clemson, probably not going to be Clemson to go to a state. You have no recruiting ties in. And that would mean your entire staff, because that's what a success has been, would have to come down to uproot all of their lives to go to a state like Florida, where none of them have ever lived and is far away from their families. That does that one of all the ones that have been tossed out there make the least sense. Yeah. Well, and then they also already are paying like, They've already got to pay like $19 million in buyouts to Willie Taggart and his staff. So if they want to pay the extra $7 million, I think it would be to get Matt Campbell, then... More power to you guys, but... Yeah, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that probably isn't going to happen. I'm not losing sleep. Not losing any sleep over it either. All right, we'll take another quick break, and then we'll be back to talk more about Iowa State and Oklahoma when we come back on Football and Random Things on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. Welcome back to football and random things on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. All right, Iowa State and Oklahoma, 7 p.m. kick on Saturday down in Norman. Where, where should we start with this game, Jeff? I think the, the what's cool about this game is this is now, I would say, the first time because last year it was true. It, the Oklahoma game, the, you know, the, the Lazard-Kempt game, that came out of nowhere. Like, mm-hmm. that was a, man, Oklahoma didn't play as well as they could have. Iowa State played out of this world, and they were a good team, but no one knew they were a good team. Then last year, um, that was, you know, Kyler Murray, but it was also, wasn't Zeb in for that game too? Yeah, he was. And so that was pre-Brock, and so it was, you were still kind of felt like you were fighting an uphill battle. I think the only reason, if you were to, again, cardinal colored glasses off, look at this game and feel like you are, you're going into a place that you can't win is if you've got like, you know, battered fan syndrome from having been beaten by Oklahoma so long. But just look at this isolated one season. Iowa State matches talent for talent across the board. There is no, there's no, de- there's no deficit in, you know, somebody is way better than somebody else. Somebody's, you know, some position is too, is unguardable or unblockable or whatever. Iowa State and Oklahoma match like they they match now. And this is the first time I can say probably ever that it's not a a one sided. You're going to have to play a A plus game to beat Oklahoma. If Iowa State plays to the level that they did against TCU, which isn't the greatest game they've ever played, but it was pretty good. Uh, If they were to play like they did against TCU, they beat OU. Mm -hmm. If they turn the ball over one, two, three times, probably won't. So it kind of, it's one of those games where 
every coach in America always says like, we're just going to focus on what we do and we'll, you know, the outcome will take care of itself. If you're, you know, the Citadel and you go on to play in Auburn, you're not going to be like, if we take care of what we do, outcome's going to take care of itself. Cause you know, you're going to need a lot of crap to go your way. You, the, the dominoes are going to have to fall on. Auburn's going to have to turn the ball over seven times for you to get a chance. I mean, even if you're Appalachian state going into the big house to play number five, Michigan, like more often than not, you're going to need some things. You're going to, yeah, you're going to need some stuff to some happen. Some crazy things to happen. Yeah. Blocking kicks and stuff like that. Right. You're going to need some stuff to happen. The take care of what we can take care of doesn't really apply when the talent gap is huge. Mm-hmm. The talent gap is, if it's there, it's minuscule. And so if Iowa State does take care of what they take care of, they can beat and would beat Oklahoma. But if they don't, what are they like? I think Brent said we're like 97th or 96th in turnover margin or something like that this year. Something like that. Yeah, I don't know. If they repeat that problem, then they will not. So it's cool to say that if they play their game, they will win. But if they don't and they start making mistakes, Oklahoma will win. So it's a fair fight going into Norman for the first time in ever. And I think that's the cool part about this game. Yeah, and I think, too, that there's a formula now for how you can beat Oklahoma where you kind of got to punch them in the mouth. And we and you've talked about this quite a bit just with that defense. If you can go out there and 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 punch them in the mouth mm-hmm. and get them down on themselves a little bit, they start to revert to some of their old problems, mm-hmm. some of the things that they, that happened prior to Alex Grinch getting there. And for that reason, I'll, I'll throw a, a, a an idea out at you. If Brock Purdy is not at 100%, which I'm not sure that he is mm-hmm. at this point, I, I think that we've wondered that here for a couple of weeks. Do we see Real Mitchell a little bit? I don't know if we would, because that seems to have very high stakes. Uh, Norman is a really tough place to play. So if your thought process starts getting sped up too far or too fast, then I don't know if that's really um, going to be that beneficial. it would beneficial. be more in a, role, a, a running type of scenario. That's true, but you even still have to have... The dude is stupid fast. So like they're, they might isolated, like, but put him in and see how it goes, like tow the water before. But I wouldn't honestly expect that because... Brees Hall has proven to be an effective running game. Yeah. They don't need to do too much because they have the three tight ends and Brees Hall that Purdy wouldn't need to run. Like he could operate as Nate Stanley of just turning and handing the ball to someone and not have to have the run threat because they've got three big physical dudes that can push people around. You can put Dylan Saner in front of Brees Hall and have it just be a six yards and just a physical thud cloud of dust and end up being second and four and it's still fine if it was seven weeks ago and iowa state doesn't have an established running game then you i think that's much more of a viable option uh to have rayal mitchell come in and do that but i want to circle back to one point that you said before oklahoma reverting to their old ways i think one of the things that is a little bit misnoming a uh, misnoming is that a thing to verb a misnomer is a noun. A can little you bit mi- of a misnomer, yeah. Can, can that become a verb? Misleading, I think, would be another way. What is misleading? What is misnoming? I don't think misnoming is What is thing. misnoming about someone saying uh, they're playing selfish defense? I think a lot of people misunderstand what that term means. And what that means, so like when you're playing, it, it, basketball is a much easier way to see most things because it's actually a decently similar sport. It's just much more free-flowing, but there's only 10 guys on the field instead of 22. In basketball, playing selfish basketball on offense looks like a guy passing, uh, avoiding making an open pass to take a contested shot. 
that is a very obvious example of selfish offense. Oh no, believe me, we know what selfish offense is like. <laughs> I don't mean to I don't mean to dig in the wound. Not 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 to throw anybody under the bus, but we we know what selfish basketball looks like if we've watched basketball in the last 365 days in state of, in central Iowa. But on the other side of it, on defense in basketball, there is such thing as selfish defense as well. Where if you're playing, if you're trying to gain statistics or glory and you're trying to play really physical or really aggressive to go for a steal, you're going to play really heavy handed to one side because you think that you're going to get a better chance of poking the ball out because it looks better for you when you get that steal. But by doing that, you take yourself out of that defensive position, that solid defensive position, open up a lane to the basket, force a guy to rotate over it makes, and then there's an open three on the other side because that defender had to pick up your slack because you made a stupid decision by trying to gamble for the ball and it makes them look bad because there's an open three against quote the guy that they were defending but it's really the selfish action of the person on the initial ball trying to play around it on defense in football there are similar things where the stuff that doesn't get noticed is the stuff that when you're sitting in the box and honestly i i think chris sees it decently well um where you'll see like you'll hear people like that's a great play by someone but it was guy who didn't make the tackle tackles and and like uh fumbles caused interceptions passes broken up sacks those are all the sexy statistics that defensive players want to play for and when you are on defense you need 11 guys to play defense and usually only one to three people are going to end up making a tackle so the other eight or nine or ten are doing a job to force someone or to force the offensive player into somebody to make that tackle. And that's usually linebackers or safeties, the ones that you want making the tackle. So what are those other guys doing? They are filling gaps and making it basically saying like, nope, door shut. You have to try another entry. And then by saying door shut, try another entry. You're opening that, that, that one space that you want them to go to is where the linebacker is. And your def- that linebacker defeats a block is right there for the tackle. The other players are playing say contain, or you have a guy that's nowhere involved in fitting and nowhere involved in setting an edge, but maybe it's uh, Lawrence White, whose responsibility on a guy like with against Oklahoma State, like Spencer to or Spencer Sanders to make sure if he pulls the ball that you have eyes on him. So his job is just watch the quarterback and he doesn't get a pass breakup. He doesn't get a tackle. He doesn't get a forced fumble. He doesn't get a fumble recovery. He gets a I did my specific job. Selfish defense is when guy who's supposed to be filling a gap turns into, I want to make a tackle. And then all of a sudden, by him trying to make a tackle, the guy who's actually supposed to be trying to, being in that position to make a tackle or, or not in that gap, has to either make the decision to fill the gap of the guy who just left it because he's being stupid, or he is in his correct position, but that runner is going to cut underneath in that open gap yeah. and right underneath there. So what Oklahoma does, to bring this all the way back full circle, what Oklahoma does Good fundamental defense is the way that Iowa State played in the second half against Oklahoma State. You very rarely saw uh, one guy exclusively alone making a tackle. A lot of them you would see, if you put yourself in the running back's position, I can't run right because Anthony Johnson's there. I can't run left because uh, Marcel Spears is there. And I can't run straight because Mike Rose is there. And Marcel Spears is the one that makes the tackle. Like there's, It's a team gathering around to make a great play. Oklahoma does that when they're feeling good about themselves. 
when they're feeling bad about themselves, they turn into F this, I'm going to make a tackle. I'm going to be the one that does this. And then somebody gets out of position and then somebody else gets pissed that that person gets out of position and they start screaming at each other on the sidelines, which makes that frustration even worse of F that. Now I'm going to be the one that makes the play. And you saw that against Kansas state as they were so out of position because every single person is trying to be the one that makes the pick, to be the one that makes the tackle, to be the one that forces the fumble that they don't ever stay fundamentally sound. And that, that reason of Oklahoma's bad defense is the reason why Iowa state's defense is good because they play selfless defense. They don't care who's the leading tackler. They care about being a good defense. So when you say hit him in the mouth, it also is a startling, jarring feeling when you're on defense because you kind of have to have a degree of crazy mm-hmm. when you're playing defense to throw yourself into a tackle or to play into a block or to take on a lead block or whatever. And when you get thumped and thumped and thumped and thumped and it's not being successful, and if someone's pushing you around, you can tend to be like, hey, this taking on this pulling guard is really effing hard. I would way rather go underneath him because I can avoid the contact. If I do it right, I can get a tackle for loss. Most of the time you don't do it right. All of a sudden, because you're trying to avoid that physical exertion and the pain of getting hit by somebody, you go underneath something, all of a sudden hole opens up, running back pops out. Well, I think a perfect example of that is you think back to that 2017 game, the touchdown that Trevor Ryan scored where Alan Lazard was just manhandling oh, just, who, the, the defensive yep. back that he was blocking. And as so Trevor Ryan throughout, throughout runs the past, entire game. Yeah, it's throughout the entire game. Yeah. And as Trevor Ryan runs past, another defensive back comes in and plows over Lazard while Trevor Ryan runs Which past is him seven and yards, 70 six, yards for a touchdown. Yeah, so Trevor Ryan, if you're not remembering this play, if you, I would go back and look at it, is this is the exact thing we're talking about, why Oklahoma's defense was so bad, is they play really selfish. So Trevor Ryan catches a bubble pass. Again, he takes down the field. Lazard and Butler, I think it actually was Eaton. I think it was Lazard and Eaton just were punking these dudes yeah. the whole game. And so Ryan is down the field past it. Some guy seven yards behind takes a pursuit angle to just take a cheap shot on Lazard. Cause he's so mad that Lazard had been punking him the entire game. Lazard just gets up and claps at him like, Hey, yeah. thanks buddy. Plays down there. Yeah. So it was that kind of stuff. Oklahoma has played well up until the Kansas state game, but they've also not played much good offense in there. And so if you get them to be punched in the face and start getting physically uncomfortable, they start pressing, they start accusing each other of you're out of position. I want to make this play, et cetera, et cetera. You can get them to do dumb stuff. They still are Oklahoma of last year at their heart. That hasn't yet changed. What do we think about Baylor right now? Did you watch them on Thursday night? I didn't. Uh, the score was close. And was it, was it at home against West Virginia? Yes. And West Virginia had the ball at the end of the game with a chance to go down and try to tie, but wasn't able to. Well, I, th- I think Baylor, watching Baylor is like watching Iowa State. Yeah. Because it's a very, it's a team that's built, they're playing to their defense and they're playing very cautiously, which is different than what you'd expect a Baylor team to be because in everybody's head, Baylor is still the offense of Art Bryles and it's RG3 and it's this big 75 to 50 game that you're going to play some basketball score. Who, what would... I wonder what someone from like 2013 would think if you told them that West Virginia and Baylor are going to play to a game that with the final score 17, 14. What was that 2011 or 2012 when it was 70 to 63? It was, uh, wasn't that TCU was, and Baylor though? It was Florence and, um, uh, Gino they oh, were playing okay, against yeah. each other it was yeah. in Morgantown and it was yeah 70 to 53 or 70, 63. Excuse me. I remember watching the hotel being like, is anyone going to even try and tackle anyone? No. Okay, cool. Um, no, but I, I still it's think... It's okay. It was hard to tackle those guys from Baylor. Yeah, it's 
that's true. <laughs> it's true. They were really good. We got, that was later the Florence. We actually beat Florence that year, but it was later that we did not tackle Baylor very well. Yeah. didn't tackle very many guys <laughs> from the bears. Um, but I, I'm still I, Baylor is a, if again, we're talking about it if, objectively, no one up here likes Baylor. Yeah. I think just, I think most people around the country don't like Baylor. I wonder why <laughs> justifiably, justifiably. Um, but if you look at them, they have, they're going to, just like Iowa State, they're going to have a chance to win every game because yeah. they play just solid fundamental team defense. They have good defensive linemen. I bet, uh, I don't remember what it is, but one of their defensive linemen is probably a top two round pick. Um, I think big white guy. But they, though, that defense, that style of play is offense is going to do enough. Defense is going to be really solid. That gives you a chance to win every single game. So I wouldn't be, I would be, as surprised if they lose every game for the rest of the season as I would be if they won every game for the rest of the season because that puts you in a position that style of football puts you in a position to win every football game they just they've so far been the inverse of Iowa State and getting lucky bounces where that Texas Tech game they should have by all intents and purposes should have lost that game but they didn't and now they're undefeated well Iowa State say the Iowa game that's a that's a bad bounce like that is crap luck I mean, I remember Chris on, uh, I don't remember what show it was or what podcast was on was saying that turnovers are innately bad luck. And I think to us, to an extent, that's true. There are some, most turnovers are controllable. It's protecting the ball better. It's making good decisions. It's getting the, putting the ball in the right spot, but some of it's just just straight up chance. Mm -hmm. Like if the ball hits the ground and you're an offensive player, like I remember watching, um, it was maybe 2010, uh, 2009, 2010. I remember watching film and we were playing, maybe it was Missouri. We, it was like the 14, seven game when it was cold as hell. And a Rob was going into the end zone and someone batted the ball down. Like it, it was a great club. It was just a bad luck thing. And then all of a sudden the ball, the round shape of the ball hit the ground squarely and bounced right back up into his arms. If that ball goes at like a five degree angle difference and it kicks sideways, that's a turnover. So there's some luck involved, like with fumbles and bad passes and somebody like, you know, like a tip pass goes up in the, like there's some luck involved. Baylor has gotten the good side of luck most of the time. Iowa State has gotten the bad side of luck most of the time. So at this point, it is chance when you play that way, how much, how many wins and losses you're going to get. So Iowa State could be Baylor. Baylor could be Iowa State if just luck flips the other direction. For sure. All right, man. Well, uh, you got anything else to say? I would say, again, just to kind of, I said this on TV on Saturday. Um, and this was, again, I remember listening to you have this conversation with Brent on, Thursday, on the Thursday show. Um, what do we think about this Iowa State program? And there is equal parts wanting it to be better. But I caution you, and this is putting the cardinal colored glasses really on and a, all the full cardinal colored gear. Don't be Hawkeye fans. Every single year that Iowa wins nine games or eight games or something like that, and everyone's really disappointed. We should be in the Big Ten, Big Ten game. Fire Ferentz. Why is all this? You know, we, we should be better. Who are you going to get that's better? Who are you going to get that's more, more consistent, that's better than eight and four, that's better than nine and three every single year, year in and year out? If Iowa State fans are complaining about being five and three with three losses of 10 combined points, all of which to good teams. If that is the complaint that we are quote, not good enough. Look four years ago, look five years ago, six years ago, seven years ago. Look at all of the seasons past when we were super thrilled 
with being a squeaked out six and six. Right now we're five and three with four games on the rest of the schedule, which are winnable and could win and should win games. And that is a control your own destiny to the big 12 title game. And if we are considering complaining about why are we not doing so well, again, take that frustration and put it in context. Again, three years ago, Iowa State was three and nine with zero chance of getting to a bowl game, getting to zero chance of being the Big 12 title, zero chance, zero respect in any context, in any context. So, yes, you can want it to be better, but don't make those such public gripes that you seem like a negative Nancy, because I can tell you that you don't read articles and you don't watch TV when you're a football player, but you get like a general feel of like how people are appreciating you and how people are happy with it. That general feel starts to seep in at some point. And you don't want to have that general feel of not being grateful for what the team is appropriate, the, the team and the coaching staff have been doing. So yes, you can want more. And yes, you can be a little bit disappointed with how the season's gone so far. But I think we all need to be absolutely thrilled with where this program is and where this program is going to be going because all of the, almost all of your talent is coming back and recruiting classes just keep getting better. So disappointed, not satisfied yet, but still very happy with where the program is and where it's going to go. So that's my one little soapbox from trying to continue the discussion you had on Thursday with Brent on what to look at with this program. Sounds good. Well, uh, just keep in mind how we all were feeling when Kyle Kemp led the Iowa State Cyclones into Norman two years ago uh, and the feeling of disaster impending with the third string quarterback walk on who had never started a game before and you were 31 point underdogs, but then you came out and won the game. And now to commemorate that game, you should go on teamcloset.com slash cyclone fanatic and use the promo code sooner slayer to get $8 off your Kyle Kemp t-shirt for $17. Uh, and then join us at whiskey river on Saturday in Ankeny to watch Iowa state, Oregon state in basketball and Iowa state, Oklahoma in football. And we will talk to you guys again next week. Peace.